my heart can sing when I pause to remember Winding always upward This old troubled world It's not my final home But until, until then my heart Will go on singing Praise God And until, until then with joy Not to bore you with my life. I truly don't want to do that. I go there. He's 80 plus years old. He starts talking and we get, he starts a conversation. He talks about his grandparents, how he was raised with his grandparents. Again, he's 80, probably 80 plus years old. And I said, you know the gospel. He was cursing beforehand. 
And I said, you know the gospel? He says, yes, I do. Then he wanted me to know he gave this, and this just kind of knocked me backwards. He said, he was talking about grandchildren and children, how to raise their children. And he said, what do you think about spare the rod, spoil the child? What does that mean to you? And the first thing that come to me is, first thing that come to me is mercy. There's mercy and grace. Because, see, after that grandchild, I just had that experience. I have to bore you with my life. He was running down the hill towards the street, and I'm going, stop, stop. And he doesn't stop. And I thought, I'm trying to protect you. There's protection in his ways, his standards. And I told that man, I said, see, that's how the Bible is. God is telling us, don't do that. Stop. Go this way. Will we obey? Help me, O oh Lord, to obey. Help me to have joy to spread your word. Your word is truth. You are life. Praise God. But until then, my heart will go.
Thank you. 
chain, break every chain, break every chain. Yeah, break every chain, break every chain. All sufficient sacrifice, so freely given, such a price. So deliverance can be mine. Oh, we believe there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. Oh, there is power in the name of Jesus. Jesus. So break every Break every chain, break every chain. Yes, to break every chain, to break every chain, break every chain. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. Oh, to break every chain, to break every chain, break every chain. Yes, to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There's an army. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. I hear the chains falling. I hear those chains falling. Oh, I hear those chains falling. Yeah, I hear those chains.
Circumstances or things I could not understand. And many times in trials, weakness blurs my vision, and my frustration gets so out of hand. But it's then I am reminded that I've never been forsaken. Never had to stand the test alone. As I look at all the victories, the spirit rises up in me, and it's through the fire my weakness is made strong. He never promised that the cross would knock in heaven. Knock 
If you got your Bible, I want you to turn to the fourth chapter of Daniel. I'm not going to start there, but I'm going to read two or three scriptures before I get there. But I want to talk to you today about something felt like God had put on my heart, and I think that the songs have pointed this. We're living in a day and an hour. And when I, when I, uh, every once in a while, and on a normal basis, about every two or three weeks, I go to a chiropractor, and they adjust my back. I lay down, and he pops and cracks my back and gets me aligned up. How many knows America needs aligned up? I mean, those the church needs aligned. God is so gracious to us. He aligns us sometimes. He puts us back in place. And when I look around at what we're talk, Sue was talking about this morning, you know, there's so much things happening in our country. So many things that we are just, especially you, if you've got any age on you at all, you know that it's no, nowhere near what it was 20 years ago. And the enemy has risen up, and the enemy has pushed into our leaders, opposing leaders, that does not know what right and wrong is. They're not taking their basis from God. They're not standing in the gap for you and I. And uh, I don't think I could take a job without standing for what it stands for. And I believe a lot of what has changed has changed because people are living in a selfish way. I'm not trying to condemn everybody. I'm not trying to condemn anybody here. But you know what's going on in our world, and I think God is bigger than we give him credit. I think sometimes God is, his silence scares me more than his words sometimes. Sometimes when God is silent, it makes me fearful that God is not pleased because I realize that, like I said last week about we know, you know that God's not pleased with what's going on in America. God's did too good too many things for America. God has answered our cry and our prayers many times. God has answered the cries and the prayers of our families, yet our families are in turmoil every day. But God is a God of grace and mercy at this time. And I believe he dealt with his own Israel the same way. And I believe he's dealing with the people today. So whoever you are, no matter what's going on, in your home or in your heart, remember this, God is always knows where you're at and knows what's going on. But we cannot live, and this is where I think the problem comes, we cannot live without the presence of God and we cannot come to a place where our religion is good enough. Because, see, you can religiously be a good person and you can have all of your ducks in a row and you may look good to the neighbors or you may look good in the church house. But I'm going to tell you something, other. we got to learn that there's something bigger than what you desire, something bigger than what's going on. And one thing is it's not a religion. It is a relationship. And that relationship means you have to have him in your heart. He has to lead you and guide you because why? It's not your dreams. It's not your way. It's not your will. It's God's will. 
And if we don't get to the place where we understand the day that we're living and that what the enemy is doing in our lives, he is trying to tell us, be selfish like the world's being selfish. He's trying to tell us, you know what? Go and get what you want. You deserve it. You should have it. And then we want God to bless it. When the real truth is we're not seeking what his will is for our life. Do you know when he saved you, just like we talked about last week with Jeremiah, he knew him and called him a prophet before he was even formed in his mother's belly. Why? Because God has a purpose for your life. He had a purpose for Jeremiah. Was Jeremiah? He told Jeremiah, don't even marry. I think it's about the 16th. I think I read a little bit last week. 16th chapter of Jeremiah or 17th. He told him, don't marry and don't have children because judgment's coming and you don't want your children here. Now, how many would answer that call? How many would be happy if they was born and God said, you're not going to have nothing of the world. You're going to have my will in your life, and that's the walk I want you to walk. Because can I tell you something? When God saved you, he's not stripping you of everything. Did you know Jesus was a carpenter? He learned to do wood. He learned to be a carpenter. Did you know Apostle Paul was a tent maker? He went around and made his little bit of money. He made working with tents. How many knows God wants us, everyone, to work? But he wants you to understand it's his will in your life. How many knows Jesus had a bigger plan besides just being a carpenter? He was the master builder of all things. Apostle Paul had a bigger plan than just going around saying, I'll just patch up tents and keep my mouth shut, and I'll make a little money. No, Apostle Paul couldn't keep from telling what had gone on inside of his heart. He couldn't keep from what God had bloomed him to be. And you and I have got to follow the will of God in our personal life. And that means it doesn't matter about your, your religious things that you do. Follow him. Follow his voice. Follow the presence of God. Follow his word. Look for him. Seek for him. Don't pick where you want to live. Pick where he wants you to live. Take him with you wherever you go. Sometimes I look around at neighbors that are in million-dollar homes or thousands of dollars home, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm in the wrong area to preach the gospel. They don't want to hear it. But you know what? God knows right where we're at. He placed us here for a purpose. When we came to this neighborhood and they were in the house here on either side, I can remember. All there was was one little shed right out here. It was a newer shed, but we had to tear it down right off the bat. You know why? God had a plan. That was 30-something years ago. God had a plan to put a church here. And I hope it aggravates the people around here if they ain't living right. I hope that God touches their life. I hope sometimes they look out there and wonder why these people keep showing up to church. And if they look in the window, Duran, and see you shouting, I hope they know what's going on. I hope they get inquisitive to say, them people's either nuts or something's going on in there. Let me tell you something. When they see uh, the little kids scattered all over the place when they're having VBS or they're having an egg hunt, 
I know these neighbors wonder what in the world's going on over there. I am not trying to impress nobody. We're not putting on a show for nobody. We're trying to make it to heaven. We're trying to lead everybody we can to Jesus. I don't know why I'm saying all this. We're not written down to do this. But I tell you, God is after us to follow his will. And in the last days, it's more important to stay in his will. Don't you know he's got an end plan? Don't you know it's his will that's going to happen? It's not our will. It's not our things. We're so worried about our things and our blessings and everything. We want everything and want God to bless it. And we call that being blessed of God. No, we're blessed of God when we find ourselves in his will. When we find ourselves walking where he has placed us, then God is pleased. Oh, I want to see him. I want to see him smile and say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter in. Don't you want to see that? In the Psalms, the one verse I'm going to read, it's the 75th Psalm, the 7th verse. It says, but God is the judge. He puts down one and he sets up another. How many knows that's true? You think that Biden's there because of Biden? Do you think Trump was there because of Trump? Let me tell you something. God's dealing with America. God is doing a work in America, and if we keep refusing to repent, like she quoted, if we keep refusing to humble ourselves before God and call upon him and him heal our land and forgive our sins, if we keep refusing to repent, God will turn judgment upon this land just like he did his own. In Proverbs 21st chapter, in the first verse, it says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turns it whithersoever he will. He turns the king's heart. Did you know he'll turn a wicked king sometimes to do what he wants done? And that wicked king will think he, he's the one that did it. But the real truth is God knows exactly how to get into a mind and into a heart and cause them to be obedient to what they have decided to do. Only it's his direction. It's his will. In Daniel, the second chapter, in the 20th verse, Daniel answered, this is the first time that King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. You all remember the dream that Nebuchadnezzar he had a troubled dream, the king of Babylon had this troubled dream, and when he had this troubled dream, he couldn't even remember what it was all about. So he called for his magicians together, and he said, tell me my dream, and tell me what it was about. And, and they, all those magicians says, well, nobody can do that. You got to at least tell us what the dream was. Well, I can't remember. It just troubled me. And they began to tell the dream, Nobody knew the dream until Daniel, when he's getting ready to kill all the magicians. Daniel, which is one of those boys that just showed up, young man from Israel. He showed up, 6, 000, uh, 605 B.C., and it was about 603 B.C. when he had his dream. About two years Daniel had been there. And all of a sudden he has this 
This king has this upsetting dream. You think only God's people has dreams? I'm going to tell you something. God shook this king up. But when he shook him up, he gave him an image. Daniel came and gave him the interpretation. He not only gave him the dream. God, he said, my God will show me what your dream was and what the interpretation. And this is in the second chapter, Daniel. And what happened was the king saw a head of gold. And you know what I'm talking about, the silver. And it was an image. And it was four kingdoms. It was Babylon. It was Medes and the Persians. It was the Greek. And then it was Rome. And if you, I, I said this a long time ago, I had a, a friend of mine that I worked with on the railroad. We were sitting, he was an elder to me, and he was sitting there, we was talking one day, and all of a sudden, he was a big history buff. Never went to church. Didn't know anything about going to church. Every time I talked to him, he acted real, uh, like he didn't want to be in the room. But he looked at me one day and starts telling me about the king of Babylon. He started telling me about the merge, uh, the Persian uh, and the Medes and the Persians. He began to tell me all about the Greeks. He began to tell me about it. I said, Paul, what have you been doing, reading the Bible? And he said, no, I'm talking about history. Have you ever studied history? And I said, Paul, you're reading out of the Bible. I don't know if you know it or not, but every bit of that's in the Bible. He just looked at me like he was stunned. But I looked at him like I was stunned. I couldn't believe what he was quoting was history. And that's all he knew about it. I believe God has put this country here, and I believe what he's doing. Now, Daniel gives a man the interpretation, but before he came to the king, when he had went and prayed and said, God, I want to interpret, this is in the second chapter, he said to him in verse 20, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. He, and he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He reveals the deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. So back in 605 or 603 B.C., Daniel gave this prayer that he quoted in the second chapter. I want you to go to the fourth chapter. 30 years, 33 years have gone by. It's about 570 B.C. We're heading towards zero. 570 B.C. And here comes, Dan here comes Nebuchadnezzar. He has another dream. Yeah, the wicked king of Babylon that was set up. He was the head of gold. He was ruling. He would rule for a certain time. But here this king, this, this, this whole chapter points to America. I don't know why, but something in it jumped out at me when I began to read it. Not just America, but all across our world. Listen to what it says in Daniel, the fourth chapter, the first verse. It said, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, unto all people, nations, and language that dwell on the earth, peace be multiplied to you. Do you know who's writing this fourth chapter? You know who's telling this story? Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Daniel's the one that is the writer. But I want you to understand something. Nebuchadnezzar, what he's doing is telling something that Nebuchadnezzar put out to everybody. He put it out to all the people and all the nations. 
It's like he wrote his own book. He wrote his own story of what happened to him. And it says, verse 2, I thought it good to show the signs. It's Nebuchadnezzar. Show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. I sure wish our president would say that. I sure wish our president had the nerve and had the guts and had the revelation to say that. Bad as King Nebuchadnezzar was, and him being a person wasn't even Jew or nothing, yet we need kings, we need leaders in our nations that knows who it is that rules and reigns and sets up and brings down. How many knows God's aligning the nations today? He is aligning the nations. You can think they know what they're doing. You can think wicked is taking over, but I'm going to tell you something. God is using a hook in their jaw, and he's dragging them into the places. And somebody said it the other day, when you can look through all of the nations and you can realize there's not one spiritual leader in all of them. Now, I'm not their judge, but look at their nation and look at what they're doing. We need spiritual leaders. We need leaders that step in. When Jesus comes and reigns and rules for a thousand years, you will know what a true king is. He goes on to say, verse 4, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at, at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. He said, I, was, I had it made. He's like America. I just, you know what, everything's going good. My house is in good shape. Got half my, I got most of my bills paid. I got all this stuff going on. Got me a new vehicle. I'm somebody. King said, everything's going good. Everything was going good in my life. And he said it, but I saw a dream which made me afraid and the thoughts upon my bed and the vision of my head troubled me. Praise God, God don't leave us sitting there in our little laws of our own self. Praise God, he don't let you sit there and call yourself blessed and keep batting yourself on the back. Hollywood keeps patting each other on the back all the time. The sports people, they just keep patting themselves on the back. I'm not their enemy. They're just doing their jobs. But can I tell you something? Don't pat yourself on the back. You need Jesus every day of your life. And what you don't know is you got a tomorrow to face, and you will need Jesus again. No matter what he did yesterday, we need him for our tomorrows. But this dream that this, this king, king of the world at that time, he was the highest power there was going on at the time. Nebuchadnezzar was. Had it made, had his place, but he had a troubling dream. I've had troubling dreams before. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't think. They worried me. On down at verse 10, the, the king decided he'd call in all these magicians again, try to get them, but he was looking for Daniel. I think he was already looking for Daniel. Even though it had been 30-some years, he's looking for Daniel again. Because he knew what happened the first dream he had. And in, fact, in chapter 4, look at verse 10. 
This is what Nebuchadnezzar saw. Nebuchadnezzar knew the dream. This dream he knew about, and he was ready to tell. And it says, Thus were the vision of my head in my bed. I saw and behold a tree. Listen to the dream. Nebuchadnezzar sees a big tree. Behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and the height thereof was great. The tree grew and was strong. The height thereof reached unto heaven, and the sight thereof to the end of the earth. The leaves thereof were fair, and the fruit thereof was much, and it was meat for all. Listen to this. It was meat for all. Everybody got blessed by the tree of what it had on it. It was reaching out to everybody. Sounds like a nation, don't it? It sounds like something like America. America began to be blessed and it's rich to the whole world. I ain't boasting America. I'm telling you, God had a plan. But it says here, it says all, and it, and it was meat for all, and the beast of the field had shade, had shade under it, and the fowls of the heavens dwelt in the boughs thereof, and all flesh was fed of it. And I saw in the vision of my head upon my bed, and behold, a watcher and a holy one came down from heaven. In this dream, he sees all this greatness of this tree, of all the good that it's doing so many people. And then all of a sudden, he sees a watcher comes out of the sky. Some that come down from God. A holy one. It says this. And he, he cried aloud, verse 14, and said thus, Hew down the tree, cut off its branches, shake off its leaves, scatter its fruit. Let the beast get away from under it and the fowls from its branches. Nevertheless, the, the watcher, the Holy One said, leave the stump of its roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass and a tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and his, let his portion, look at what it changes here. It says, and let his portion be with the beast in the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from man's and let a beast's heart be given to him and let seven times pass over him. This matter is by the decree of the watcher and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomsoever he will and sets up over it the basest of men. What is, what is Nebuchadnezzar doing? He's telling you how the dream went. And the troubling part to Nebuchadnezzar is it looked so beautiful. Everything was doing so good. But the watcher that came out of the sky says, cut it down. Save the root, but cut it down. Take away all that blessing that it was to so many. 
Don't you see America in that? I see sometimes where God's used this country to win wars. God has used this country to send missionaries to. God has done all these things in this beautiful country. And we sometimes take for granted what God has given us. They don't tell us our true history. Our schools don't teach history the way history was written. The way history is. God's will was going on here in spite of whatever you think, in spite of whatever they tell you. Then Daniel enters the picture. I want you to hear this. Daniel gives the interpretation. Daniel sees and hears what the king said. Now listen to what I'm saying. Daniel, the man of God that showed up, he heard what the king's dream was all about. But can I tell you what happened to Daniel? Daniel got troubled himself. He got troubled because he knew this was not good for the king. He's not going to like the interpretation. You know what? The world, our leaders don't like what we're telling them. We're telling them the end's coming. They don't want to hear it. They think they can fix anything. They think they can tear it up and fix it the way they want to do it and rule this world the way they want. They don't realize they're dealing with somebody that they're going to be accountable to. And you can warn and you can warn just like you warn your children. Don't go there. Don't go there. Turn back to God. Repent and come back to God. But they refuse. No, I like what the world's doing. I want to fit into what the world's doing. And be careful, parents, because sometimes we're the guilty party. We have pushed them so hard to get in the world. Then we can't get them out of the world. I know, leave that alone. Look at verse 22. In verse 20, Daniel begins to tell him, the tree thou sawest. But look at verse 22. It is thou, O king. Daniel's given the interpretation. Guess what, King Nebuchadnezzar? You're the tree. You're the one that's been so blessed and been given such a great kingdom. God's given you all that. God has used you to reach all across the nations. And he says, it is thou, O king, that are grown and become strong. For thy greatness is grown and reaches to the heavens and thy dominion to the end of the earth. And whereas the king saw a watcher and a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, hew the tree down and destroy it, yet leave the stump and the roots thereof. Listen to Daniel. Even with a band and the brass and the tender of the grass, let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let his portion be with the beast of the field till the seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High which has come upon my Lord, the king. What's Daniel telling him? These seven times passing over, talking about, they believe this is talking about three and a half years. Not the seven years, even though it's seven times. But it's talking about they had a dry season back then and they had a wet season. And it's believed that they came across seven times 
during this time that this is going to happen. What's the seven about? The seven's about what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar lost his mind. Listen to me. He went crazy. You say, what are you talking about? This great king, Daniel said, this great king that you are, that this great vision and dream you saw. And guess where Nebuchadnezzar ended up? In the grass with the oxen, going around eating grass, crawling around on the ground. For seven seasons he did this. Seven, three and a half years if that's it or, or however long it was. This king was reduced to nothing. Lost his mind. They all departed him. Took his kingdom away. You think that's terrible? I think it's the grace of God. Because God not only tears down, but God restores. See, the good thing is, I might have destroyed myself if God hadn't came. I was tearing myself down, even though I'd been taught about God all my life. I was tearing myself apart. I was destroying myself. Until I finally made up my mind, I don't want to do it my way no more. I want God, I want you in my life. I want your will. I want to know what to do, Lord. Help me. Show me daily. Put me in that right place, Lord, not just on Sunday. Put me there every day, every hour of my life. I can fall down. I can talk to my Lord. That's where we need to be. That's where America needs to get back to. We used to pray for our crops. We used to years ago down on the farms. They prayed for the crops to come in. They worked hard every day and prayed for the blessing of God upon it. Now we look to the government or to our money or to the new technology. We don't look to God. God is setting silent. Nobody wants to talk about him. Nobody wants to deal with what he might have to say to what's happening today. Our world's falling apart. Our families are falling apart. The very greatest thing that God did was put a husband and wife together to raise a family to serve God. And the enemy has caused that family to fall. He's working overtime at it. Not trying to be condemning to nobody. Won't you understand that? This is the days of warnings. If we don't heed the warning, we won't repent. We don't hear what God is saying. What are we to do? Just throw our hands up in the air, watch the news and get discouraged? Wait for the doctor to tell you it's your time? It's your time to go home. The sickness is bad. It's your time to go home. So don't worry about it. You know what? You fight this. Duran said it. But until then, until then, I don't care what the doctor says. Until then, I'm going to walk with Jesus. And I'm going to love him. And I'm going to love those around me. And I'm going to read about it. If they, God tell, the doctor tells me I'm going home, I'm going to read about heaven more. Because I know where I'm going. Not because of me, because of him. We need to look for the answers in him. On down at verse 25. That they shall drive thee from men. Listen to what Nebuchadnezzar's being humbled. 
He said, they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven seven times that will pass over thee, till thou knowest that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men. You couldn't get a higher position than Nebuchadnezzar. He was the top dog of the whole nations. He was the leader. And all that he thought of himself, yet there he was out eating in the field with the oxen. His nails began to grow. His hair began to grow. The dew would fall upon him. He lost his mind. It says, whereas they commanded to leave the stump of tree, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee. After that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. Wherefore, O king, listen, let my counsel be accepted unto thee. Break off thy sins. Daniel's trying to tell him how to avoid the problem he's got. Listen to this. Daniel gives him one verse here. He says, Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be accepted unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness, and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. God may give you grace and mercy if you fall down and repent. That's what Daniel's telling him. Did the king listen? No. Look at verse 28. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. And at the end of 12 months, he walked into the palace of the, king of the kingdom of Babylon. And the king said this, Is not this great Babylon that I have built? Wow. How many knows king just forgot everything Daniel said? Here he goes. He says, Ain't this the great Babylon which I have, that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for honor of my majesty? Boy, he's exalted in himself. Sometimes I worry about our leaders when they get real exalted about how good they've done. I don't really want to hear how good you've done. I want to know what God is telling you today to do. I want to know that you're calling upon God that you're listening for the voice of God because there ain't none of us know if it's going to rain or snow next week. Only God knows all things. Only God knows the darkness that's in our world. He knows how to lead the king in the right direction. It goes on to say, While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you to eat grass uh, seven times pass over thee until thou know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men and ate grass, with the oxen, his body was wet with dew till, till his hairs were grown like an eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes unto heaven and my understanding returned unto me. 
uh-oh, you mean this guy that got down and was crawling around eating grass for seven seasons, you mean he's getting re returned? He's going to get restored? That's exactly what God's doing. But before he did, he had to show him who's in charge. What has God got to do to you to show you God's in charge? What part of your life are you really ruling? What part of your family are you saving? Who, who have you saved? You haven't saved nobody. I haven't saved nobody. The only Savior there is is Jesus. The only Lord that we should have ruling us is our heavenly Lord, our Savior. He's Savior and He's our Lord. And he knows how to lead us, to rule us, to be in us, to guide us. He has a plan, a good end for you and me, if we'll hold on to him. Yes, we've been praying for our country, and I want it to have a good end. I want to see a revival come. I ain't worried about how much money they're printing. I think it's all wrong. Until they get their heart right, they ain't going to stop doing anything wrong. You know it and I know it. So watching the news to see what upsets you today wasn't really going to help you. We need to be praying more. We need to be crying out more. Oh, God, help us. I don't want to speak discouragement to my grandkids. I don't want to speak discouragement about the world they live in. I don't want to put it down. I don't want to tell them, don't, don't have children. It's a bad time coming. I don't want to tell them that. But I want them to listen and take everything they do to God. Take where you live. Take the job you do. Do everything you do to him. Take him in it. Because he will lead and guide your mind through this wicked world. And he'll make you a, a light to somebody. You'll be a witness to somebody. That's what we need. That's what America needs right now. You ain't going to change what's going on in Hollywood. You ain't going to change what's going on in sports. You ain't going to change what's going on in the White House and in our Congress and in our government. Some of these people, they can give you a good speech like the people on the marketing thing on the, on the phone. They can make you think, oh, I need that. Oh, I better have that. No, you don't need none of that. Somebody's conning you. Somebody's lying to you. But God has never lied to me. God knows exactly what we need. That's the source we need to go to. It's his will, not mine. Jesus even said it. Not my will. Not my will, Lord. Thy will be done. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, Lord. Thy will be done. Jesus was submitted to the will of God. Are we supposed to follow him? Yes. Submit yourself to the will of God. Oh God, what is our will? What is your will today for this country? What is it that you want us to do as a church? Do we start turning like the rest of the churches of the world and just let's have a good time, let's have all the, let's fill the house with a lot of fun, let's just have everything going that's, that's Makes everybody feel better about yourself. No. We need to be on our knees.
we need to be crying out. Our country needs, it needs it. She said it when the saints hit their knees. Even hell is gets nervous. Because when you talk to God and you cry out to God, he don't forget. We might forget what we vowed, but he don't forget his vows to us. He said, at the same time, verse 36, at the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor, my brightness returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought unto me. And I was established in my kingdom. And excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. Praise God, I wish our king would do that. I wish our leaders would do that. Don't you? Don't you? Wouldn't you love to see them on TV and the news people dumbfounded that they fell on their face and said, oh God, forgive us for our sins. I love it. I watched, I, again, I'm going to bring up Charles Stanley, but with Charles Stanley back at the election in 2016, the week of the election. I watched him. I just happened to turn him on that morning. And he got down on his knees in front of that whole big church he was a pastor of. And he got on his knees and he said, oh, Lord, have mercy upon America in this election. Have mercy. And I thought, I told my wife, that's the greatest thing I've seen out of anybody on TV, on any of these gospel channels. Is when I see a pastor fall on his face and say, Lord, forgive us. Forgive this country. Praise God. God is telling us something. Don't you understand? We have to line ourselves. You have to get the adjustment. Oh, God, adjust me, Lord, and put me on the right track. Put me where I can do the good for you. Put me where I can walk and say, thy will be done. Not my will, but thy will, Lord, be done. Come on back up, Becky. <clears throat> he says, I praise, I extol, I honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways are just or judgment. And those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Even Nebuchadnezzar understood. God brought him down. God humbled him, Randy. God humbled him right before everybody. The king, the leader, and to most of them at those times, like the Egypt, Egyptian pharaohs, they thought they were gods themselves. They could say and have anything they ever wanted. But here was Nebuchadnezzar crawling around like an animal because God humbled him. And he's praising God for humbling him. Don't worry about what people think of you. Let God do what he needs to do in you. I don't care what you think. I only know what I need in Jesus. I know if I don't keep my heart right with him, I'm not going to make it. I'll lead someone the wrong way. So it's not me, it's Jesus in me. And it's the same with you. 
We have such great ideals. God's not against your ideals. But we keep leaving God out when we do good things. We try to do good things even in the church sometimes, but we leave God out. He don't get the glory. We pat each other on the back. And I praise God for singers and teachers and, and musicians. I love that they want to play. But Mike said it last week, if they ain't going to play for Jesus, if they don't fall in love with Jesus, what good is it going to be? You don't need a position. You need him. More of him. That's all you really need. I'm not trying to condemn nobody. I'm telling you how urgent the day is and the hour that we live. Everybody stand, if you will. If anybody needs to pray, if you're here and you're not saved, I want you to come up. Just begin to walk this walk. But make up your mind, Lord, not my will. Thine be done, Lord. I don't want my way. I want your way in me. I can remember when I got saved. And I can remember many times going back to the altar saying, Lord, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. But you know what? God has constantly lifted me up, put me back on the road, told me to keep going. God will never lead you to turn around and quit. He'll lead you to get up and go on. You keep your eyes open. God knows right where you're at. He'll lead you. He'll use you. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, you come. If you're here and you need prayer, you come after that. First, I want to see people that knows they're not saved. If you've never been saved, you come up here. Somebody will show you in Scripture how to get saved not some big program. It's not some big thing you got to do. You just got to see it in your own eyes and believe it with your own heart. See what Jesus did for you. Accept it. Receive it. Let God do the rest of it. Praise God. While they sing. That I've never faced before That's why I'm calling on you, Lord, I know it's been a while, but Lord, please hear my prayer. I need you like I never have before. Oh, sometimes it takes a mountain. Sometimes a troubled sea. Sometimes it takes a desert. Oh, to get a hold of me. Oh, your love is so much stronger. Oh, 
to trust you and believe. Oh, forgive me, Jesus. I thought I could control whatever life would throw my way. But this I will admit has brought me to my knees. I need you, Lord, and I'm not ashamed to say. Oh, sometimes it takes a mountain. Sometimes a troubled sea. Sometimes it Sometimes when I look back through history, I would see times where it got really bad. You can look even in history in America, and you can look back at the, the fall of the, of the stock market 
back in the 20s, late 20s. People jumped out of windows and killed herself because they lost everything in one day. We have lived in a time where everybody's put on the comfort. You can be poor and you're in the comfort zone. You got everything you need, all the toys, all the gadgets, and money coming in. But can I tell you something? That's the way you look at them. You look back at Israel and you find out there were some that lived in a seemingly a peaceful time. But one day after Babylon, when Babylon came, before Babylon, before the king took over, they were under siege of Israel and the children were starving. We've never seen that in America in this generation. But can I tell you, we're, if we're facing the end time, we're facing a day when it ain't going to be like you ever saw it before. You have to make up your mind that you'll take what God has said by faith. You have to believe it. You have to receive it, believe it, and then decide to walk it. Because what you see, I can look back at my father and say to myself, Papa lived 85 years you all know him, most of you, family all knew him. He died serving God. But I think he was much more committed than I am. And I think during this generation that we're looking at, I think to myself, what makes me think I'll go that smoothly? What makes me think my world will hold up? We're set for this generation. Listen to me. Young or old, you're set for this generation. You do what God gives you to do while you have opportunity. Because the day will come when the whole world might change. We're no better than anybody in the foreign countries or anywhere else. We're, not li we're living off of our ancestors' blessings, a lot of us. But the real truth is, when we don't repent, the justice and the judgment will come. Hear what I'm telling you. I'm not trying to scare nobody. I'm not trying to put down your world. But can I tell you, and I said it last week, it is the church. It is the spirit in the church that restrains the evil of what's happening today. If the church is gone, look out. When God comes back and gets the church, when he tells his son, Go get my children. There won't be no restraints. There won't be a church body that they can grunt to. The enemy will know he has a short time and evil will come from everywhere. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to tell you what the Bible's teaching. If this is the generation, and you know it is. Praise God.